Thank you, Jose, for uh, leading us this morning in New Year's worship through music. I want to welcome you all here to City Lights. Uh, thank you for those of you who have joined us here on site and those of you who have joined us uh, on Zoom. What a what an awesome time uh, to be here as we uh, enter into this new year, um, 2023. We're going to call it the Michael Jordan year. Um, so then next year, uh, Lord willing, to 2024, when I call it the Kobe year, I've already set the precedent. Uh, so this is our, our Michael Jordan year, 2023. Or LeBron James. Uh, we'll go with LeBron, too. Um, but i um, so excited uh, for our church and for you all to be here today. Um, let's, let, let's, uh, let's, let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have promised that, yes, all will be well. And God, even if 22, 2022, everything didn't go as well as planned, God, we are so grateful to be here today. And we say thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for um, new mercies that we've um, been able to receive this morning. Um, God, we look forward to an awesome year and what you'll do in us and through us as City Lights. And so we join this morning with millions around the world to gather to worship you and to set aside this time to honor you, to kick off our year um, by offering ourselves and presenting ourselves before you. Will you bless us and bless this time? Open your word to us and open us to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. What a fitting, uh, what a fitting way to start the new year um, by gathering together with the people of God uh, to, to reflect and, and look back, but also to pause and, and look forward and look to God as we uh, march into 2023. And um, I, I, I'll be completely honest with you. I don't know all that 2023 is going to bring. Um, I, I, I won't sit up here and make promises irresponsibly. I, I don't know what 2023 is going to bring. But what I know for sure um, is that God will continue to be sovereign. He will continue to be active in the lives of his people. But not only God will God be active in his people, um, I can be sure that they're the devil and spiritual forces will also be active in the world and um, our responsibility and we would do well to 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 learn and to discern how to respond to God's activity when he shows up and shows out as Angela used to say but we also need to be prepared when 2023 throws us curveballs um, when things don't go as planned when we are facing we encounter uh, spiritual forces and spiritual opposition and so it's fitting this morning um, that, that we, should, we should hone in on, on the latter as we continue in our series uh, looking at the life of Jesus and how his life brings about great joy, not just 2,000 years ago in, in the hills of Bethlehem for shepherds, but 2,000 years later, how his life still brings about great joy for each one of us and how he himself is the source of joy all the way from the time he was born and placed in the manger to the cross, to his ascension, to the throne of heaven. And what we'll find and what 
what we'll find as we go along through this series that will take us through um, Easter resurrection, that throughout his life, Jesus experienced new beginnings. Just like we're, we're experiencing a new beginning today as the, the calendar is, is, is now January 1st, 2023 of a new year. Jesus also experienced new beginnings and, and transitions into different phases of his life in this ministry. And, and this morning, we're going to look at one of the major transitions, and that is the period after his baptism and right before him launching out into public ministry. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the gospel according to Luke chapter 4, and I believe it's also printed for you in your uh, bulletin. So again, this is, this is a period after Jesus has been baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, and this is right before Jesus launches into the world um, doing public ministry uh, uh, at 30 years old. Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan after he was baptized and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you or since you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread, because you're hungry. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. Then the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor and glory, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to who, anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If or since you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. But Jesus answered, it says, what it has been said, do not put your Lord to the test. And when the devil had finished all this, all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. When, when Jesus, it's important for us to know that when Jesus took on flesh and entered into our world as a baby, he did not immediately operate as the Jesus that we're familiar with in the Gospels. He, he didn't immediately start feeding 5,000 people. He didn't immediate start, immediately start healing the sick and, and raising the dead and casting out demons, calming the sea, et cetera, et cetera. It, it, it wasn't until he was about 30 years old did Jesus come from out of the shadows of Nazareth and Galilee, out from obscurity? And in chapter 3, Luke records that he subjects himself to the baptism of John. And it was at his baptism that something amazing happened. And I want to read for us two verses in Luke chapter 3, verses 21. It says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus came and was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven opened Heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. That's important because in uh, Luke 4, chapter 1, it says Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in the bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Many people were baptized by John the Baptist. But only one person had the audio-visual 
presence of the triune God at their baptism. And it is after this public declaration of Jesus' status as the beloved son of God the, the, uh, uh, that we read that he was then led by the spirit. After the, the spirit descended upon him, he was then led by that same spirit into the wilderness for 40 days to be or for the purpose of, Luke tells us, being tempted by the devil privately. And Luke records for us three of the, the, the temptations that probably took place at the end of the 40 days and how Jesus was, uh, was able to overcome the devil's temptations. And that leads us to our central truth this morning as we uh, read through this passage and we saw how Jesus overcame temptation. And that's this. We can experience great joy today because Jesus overcame temptation. Joy is available, great joy is available for us because Jesus, during that 40 days where he was being tempted by the devil, because he overcame temptation, because he was able to, 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 to gain victory over the devil, we can experience joy today. Mind you, though, the, the, the temptation of Jesus is a reminder that there are spiritual forces that seek to knock us off course and to turn us away from God. And so we must be aware uh, what's going on, not only uh, in our in our own hearts and what's pulling at what's pulling us or tugging on our own hearts or what's draw what we're being drawn to, but we also need to be aware of what's taking what's going on and taking place around us. Temptation of Jesus is a reminder that there is a real devil, there is a real adversary, there is a real accuser of the brother, and who does not want you and I to experience the great joy that Jesus brings. There is a real enemy out there who wants, who seeks to uh, knock us off course, to seek to devalue and diminish uh, the quality of life that Jesus came to offer us. Jesus in John 10 says, the thief, talking about the devil, comes only but to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the devil's mission. That's the devil's job. That's his assignment in this world, to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life, and that life to the full. So we have to be aware, not only what's going on in our own hearts, the own, our own bend towards sin, our own inclination toward unrighteousness, but also what's going on around us and the spiritual forces that are trying to assail or attack us. So that means that not all open doors or opportunities are the result of the blessing of God. What we find in these temptations is that the devil has real power. He, he, he tempted Jesus with real things, uh, and he is the master deceiver, and it takes the spirit working in us to give us clarity and discernment to know whether God is at work when we're presented with opportunity or things, or is it the devil? Notice that when the devil tempts him, uh, he tempts him with, he says, he shows him all the kingdoms of the world, not just Jerusalem, not just Rome, but all the kingdoms of the world says, I'll give this to you. It belongs to me, and so I can give it to anyone, and, and I, I, it's yours, but you have to, you have to worship me. I, I'll present this amazing opportunity for you, Jesus. You can bypass the cross. You can bypass the suffering. You can bypass the rejection. You can bypass all the pain and hurt that you're going to suffer over the next three years. If you just worship me now, I'll give you the entire world. It, it'll be yours. You just have to worship me. 
as we read in Luke chapter 4, that Jesus wasn't having it and defeated the devil by overcoming the temptations presented before him. And so I want to highlight, I want to point out for us this morning as we go into 2023 and all the the tests and trials that may come our way and the the temptations that we may face, I want to highlight three reasons why the temptation of Jesus brings about great joy. Three reasons. The first reason is this, and this is your um, first fill in the blank. If you're just joining us, uh, our central truth was we can experience great joy because Jesus overcame temptation. And so three reasons why the temptation of Jesus brings about great joy is this. His victory, number one, reveals him as God's true son and representative of humanity. And I believe this is the primary application. This is the the primary, this is the the, the goal um, that that Luke has as he's writing this to Theophilus and and to us. This passage, as with all the Gospels, is first and foremost about Jesus and who he is. Before we can get to, you know, how we handle or or overcome temptation, we have to recognize that this passage is not primarily written to us to teach us how to overcome temptation. It's written to teach us who Jesus is. And he is, uh, by virtue of his Uh, not only God's declaration of him as the beloved son at his baptism, but by the fact that he overcame temptation in the wilderness these 40 days and throughout his life, he is truly God's true son and the true representative of humanity. Echoes of the children of Israel's testing in the wilderness as they wander for 40 years ring throughout this passage. And in fact, the context behind Jesus' responses, his scriptural responses during the time of his uh, testing, it, 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 it comes from, uh, he uses passages that were given to the children of Israel while they were in the wilderness. So it, it, it's showing that Jesus now, well, what we're learning is that Jesus now is replacing what Israel was meant to be uh, thousands of years before, to be God's representatives in the world, to bless the world, to, to bring light to the nations. Now Jesus has assumed that responsibility and position because Israel failed. And where others failed, Jesus is presented with this opportunity in the flesh to demonstrate true fidelity and obedience to God. And he is truly God's son. And unlike Adam and unlike Israel, he can be trusted. His victory not only proved that he was sinless as man, but it also proved that he is Israel's true Messiah come to bring about the kingdom of God. His victory Uh, It reveals him as God's true son and representative of humanity. But the second thing um, that I want to highlight is that his victory enables us as we now move to, okay, now what does this have to do with us? His victory enables him to help us in our time of need. His victory, why, why can we experience a great joy because Jesus overcame temptation? Because his victory enables him to identify, to, 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 to be able to help identify with us, and insofar as help us in our time of need when we are being tempted. You don't believe me? The, 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 the author of Hebrews writes this in Hebrews 2, 17. For this reason, Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. 
couple chapters later in Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. And because of this, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. His victory over over temptation enables him to help us in our time of need. He helps us because he knows what it feels like to be tempted, to be attacked from without, to be assailed by the enemy. It may be asked, though, how could Jesus be tempted if he was sinless? Others have pointed out over the years, and I agree, that Jesus, unlike us, was not tempted to sin based on an internal pollution or bend toward lust, pride, greed, injustice, and all those things. However, just because he did not have the internal pull or bend towards those things, towards sin, it did not prevent him from being tempted by external forces that sought to sway his affection or devotion to God. In this way, he is just like Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve were created in the garden, they were created perfect and pure. They did not have this innate, inherited bend towards sin like we do. But they were tempted on the outside from that same devil that tempted Jesus in the wilderness thousands of years later. So Jesus, though he was sinless, he still was able to be tempted. And because he was able to be tempted and know what it felt like to be tempted and attacked by the devil, he was able, he is able to help us in our time of need because he identifies with us. And it could be argued that the force of temptation was stronger for Jesus uh, because he was able to endure without giving in. A lot of times we don't know what that feels like because when we're faced with temptation, then we, 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 we hold on, we hold on, and after a while, it's like, oh, I can't fight anymore. But Jesus was able to fight and endure to the end. And the force of temptation was stronger, and his temptations were not merely intended to tempt Jesus as man, but to attack him as Messiah. There was much more at stake in the temptation of Jesus, even the kingdom of God itself. And so Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted, to have something presented before you, to have this choice, whether to to trust God, to rely on God, to depend on God, or to shortcut and go the devil's way. His victory enables him to help us in our time of need. Thirdly, this is where we'll spend our time Uh, His victory gives us the blueprint for overcoming temptation. So not only does it identify him as God's true son and representative of humanity, not only does does his victory enable him to help us uh, our time to do, but his victory gives us the blueprint for overcoming temptation. One of the church fathers, Origen, uh, said this uh, shortly after the the, the death of Jesus, hundreds of, you know, during that same first, second century, he said, since he had taken on flesh, the Lord was tempted first with every temptation that men were to be tempted with. And he is tempted for this reason, that once he conquered, we might also conquer. So how can we overcome temptation like Jesus? I want to submit uh, that we need to be confident in four ways. And these are the remainder of your fill in the blanks. We need to be confident, one, in the Spirit's power. We need to be confident in the Spirit's power. 
Luke tells us that Jesus was not only uh, when he was baptized, not only did the Holy Spirit descend on him, but it remained in him. And he was led and full of the Holy Spirit in the wilderness. And he relied on the Spirit's sustaining power the entirety of the 40 days. He relied on the Spirit's power the entirety of the 40 days. The question was, would, uh, at the, at, as he came to the end and he had not eaten for 40 days and he was hungry, Luke tells us, would he continue to trust God for his needs or would he exercise his power apart from God? This was... And so for Jesus and the way he responded, he, he tells us that this was not the time to deviate. He had survived 40 days, and this was not the time now to deviate from dependence on the Spirit and relying on the Spirit. Jesus, because of this, was able to overcome. One of the wonderful gifts of salvation is that we, too, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uh, doesn't just come and rest on us for seasons and then leaves like he did in the Old Testament. And he rested on kings and rested on warriors, uh, but then for a season, then the, the Holy Spirit left them. The Holy Spirit, one of the beautiful gifts of salvation is that we receive the Holy Spirit and he takes up residence. He builds a home in our bodies, in our souls, in our spirits. We are given the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit then not only enables us to do wonderful things, but he also keeps us from doing the things we ought not. I grew up um, in a semi-charismatic uh, church experience, and, uh, and there was emphasis on, 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 there was a lot of emphasis on what the Spirit empowers us to do. He gives us the power to lay hands on people and heal the sick. He gives us the, the power to, to, to cast out demons. He gives us the, the, the power to do all these things, to preach and proclaim the gospel. But what I, I didn't hear all the time is that the Spirit not only gives us the power to do, he gives us the, the, the power to restrain or to refrain from doing the things that we ought not to do. He keeps us in that way. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and did battle with the devil. How arrogant and danger, dangerous of us then to attempt to do so apart from that same spirit and his enablement and direction and protection. This is why this is why Jesus told the disciples before he was uh, going to die on the cross and, and ascend into heaven. He, he said, listen, I know y'all sad that I'm leaving, but trust me, it's going to be better if I go. Because if I go, I'll send the Spirit who will not only be with you like I was, but he'll also be in you for all seasons and for all times. And this is why Paul urges believers then to be filled with the Spirit, to, to, to be controlled by the Spirit that lives in us and not by other substances like drug or alcohol, Ephesians 5.18. And this is why the Apostle Paul also urges believers to walk by the Spirit, to be guided, directed, to, to live by the Spirit's guiding, to live by the Spirit's prompting so that we won't gratify the desires of the flesh, Galatians 5. 16. So we need to be first confident in the Spirit's power that the Spirit who lives in us will keep us from falling, keep us from sinning as we rely on him. Secondly, we need to be confident in our relationship to the Father. We need to be confident 
in our relationship to the Father. It is not by coincidence that this episode takes place immediately after the baptism of Jesus, where the Father publicly declared and demonstrated that Jesus is the beloved Son on whom the, the, the Spirit rests fully. And it's also worth noting that the final words of Luke chapter 3, after his baptism, Luke then goes and, and tells us uh, Luke's genealogy, uh, or, or Jesus' genealogy, one pastor said, uh, God uh, demonstrates the paternity test that Jesus is truly his son. Uh, the final words of Luke chapter 3, after highlighting Jesus' gene genealogy, it says, Jesus, descended from Adam, is the son of God. And here we find when Jesus goes into the, attempt to, into the wilderness to be tempted, how does the devil approach him? He says, well, if, or, or since you are the son of God, he questions, he, he, he seeks to, to have Jesus question the, the, the validity uh, of his relationship to the Father. Uh, he, he, he wants to get Jesus to, to either test the validity of that relationship or to renounce it altogether. And, and, and listen to me, the devil's strategy has not changed with us. Satan tries to make us believe that God doesn't really care about us, that God has forsaken us. And so because God has forsaken us, because God has not answered the prayer in the way that we wanted him to, we should secure what we need by some other method of means. If God's not going to give it to us, then we need to go get it ourselves or get it from the hand of the devil. And when we do those things, when we, when we, uh, when we believe the lie that God has forsaken us, that God does not care about us, he does not have our best interests at heart, and we do secure uh, blessings or material things or whatever uh, fake joy by uh, any other means, we are acting in unbelief when we believe that God has truly forsaken us and we then therefore lie, cheat, and steal our way into getting what we desire. But Jesus would not have it. He was hungry, but he knew he needed more than bread. He relied on and wanted the source of bread, which is a loving and caring and need-supplying father, the same father that had been with him through the spirit those 40 days. So often in our lives when we're faced with temptation and we're, when, when we're, we're tempted by the devil to question our relationship to the father, so often we forget whose we are. And so we constantly need to remind ourselves that we are God's children through faith in Jesus Christ, and he is our father. And that's not a title that we're seeking, but a title that we already possess, a title that God has already bestowed on us. Listen to what the Apostle John writes in 1 John 3, 1. He says, see what great love the father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And this is what we are, not in the future, not when Jesus comes back but this is what we are right now the moment we put our, our faith and trust in Jesus we receive the Holy Spirit and we also receive the, the we receive the adoption to be called sons and daughters of God so the question is for, uh, for us just as it was for Jesus is are we going to believe are we going to have confidence in what God and who God says we are in relation to him that we are sons and daughters, that we belong to him, that he is our good, good father. Are we going to believe what God says, or are we, or are we not? Or are we going to allow the tricks of the enemy to cause us to doubt or disbelieve what God says about us? 
City Lights, we have a father that loves us and cares for us, who is greater than bread, who is greater than money, who is greater than pleasure, the father who never fails. A father who already knows what we need before we even ask. He can be trusted. We need to trust that he can be trusted. We have confidence in the Spirit's power, confidence in the relationship with the Father. Third, confidence in the Word of God. When Jesus responded to the devil, he didn't get into a debate. He didn't argue. He didn't go back and forth with him. Jesus used the Word of God as his weapon of choice and as his, uh, as his sword and his reliance on it as his shield. John Calvin says this, for this is the true way of fighting. If we wish to make ourselves sure of the victory, we have to be confident and use the word of God as our greatest weapon. The Apostle Paul, some years later, would tell believers to do the same thing by putting on the whole armor of God so that we may be able to endure and take our stand against the devil's schemes. And as he lists what the armor is, he says, and take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The only part of the armor that is used for offense, Paul says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the, which is the word of God. And so as Satan is fighting us and fighting us or, or, or attacking us with lies and deceit, we attack him back just like Jesus with the word of God. But we can't use what we don't have. We can't use what we're not confident in. It reminds me uh, of the story of David when he went to go fight Goliath, and uh, he's like, I'll do it. Nobody else wants to do it. And they say, okay, uh, go get Saul's army uh, armor and put it on him. And David puts on Saul's armor, and it's way too big for him. His sword's too heavy for him. He's like, I, I, I can't rely on this. I, I have no confidence. I, let, me, let me do it the way that God leads me to do. And that's the same for us. If we, a lot of us, you know, we've heard the word of God. We've been around the word of God, but not really confident on it. So when we're at the point of attack or when we're being attacked, it's, it's like we're, we're grabbing Saul's arms. Like, ah, what do I say? Jesus, uh, instead of being confident, trusting that this word, if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. With each response, Jesus turned to the Old Testament. That was his Bible. That was the word of God for him at the time as the standard by which he lives. It was the absolute authority in his life and the guiding principle of his life as a man. And Jesus' life was marked from the very beginning by obeying the command and law of God. It was his very breath. And in another passage in the Gospel of John, he said it was his meat to do and live the will of God by the word of God. In other words, more important than his physical needs was obeying God because obeying God's word would supply his needs. Confidence in the word. And then lastly, confidence in the plan of God. Confidence in the spirit's power, relationship to the father, the word of God, and then confidence in the plan of God. It's interesting that all that the devil enticed or tempted Jesus with were things that were already promised or pledged to Jesus anyway. But the time for their fulfillment had not yet come. So for Jesus, he would only have them God's way. 
He knew and recognized and was confident that the Father had already promised or pledged these things to him, and he would only have them God's way and by God's timing, even though it meant death on the cross. And so all that the devil offered Jesus required Jesus then to take a shortcut, not aided by the Father and Spirit, but by the devil himself. And we are tempted to do the same, City Lights. But Jesus has showed us and he has told us that the path, what the path to lasting joy is. And it is taking up our own crosses and following him. That's the plan for, that's God's plan for our lives, that we take up our crosses and follow Jesus wherever he leads us by his spirit. And when we do so, there are precious promises that we can cling to. There are things that the Father has spoken over us. There are things that God has promised us that we can cling to when we face temptation. He says that if we seek first his kingdom, all of our needs would be supplied. If we delight in him, he'd give us the desires of our heart. If we abide in him and his word in us, he'd make our joy complete. In other words, instead of seeking things and stuff, seek Jesus. Seek Christ. Seek to live out his plan for your life. Pursue joy in Christ. Pursue righteousness and justice. Pursue loving God and loving neighbor. Why? Because God cares deeply about those things and has instructed us to care deeply about those things and to seek those things. And as we seek them, he's committed himself to being with us as we pursue them. He is faithful and he is with us. He is for us just as he was in 2022. And I believe he'll be the same for us and with us in 2023. In conclusion, why is this important? Again, I, I can guarantee that God is still going to be sovereign and active and working in your lives. But I can also guarantee that we're going to be faced with temptations throughout these 365 days. And there's a danger to giving into temptation. Giving into temptation robs us of the joy that is experienced when we fully submit to the Lord. The deceptive nature of sin leads us to believe that we're missing out. And it provides a shortcut to joy. But that, that joy we know from by experience is fleeting and almost immediately is accompanied by guilt, shame, and fear. So if you're looking to experience true joy in 2023, I invite you to commit to growing your confidence in these very things that we noted in our fill in the blanks. Confidence in the Spirit's power. Growing in confidence in your relationship with the Father. Growing in confidence in the Word of God. And growing in confidence in God's plan for your life. This is what I think Jude meant when he wrote to the church to build themselves up in their most holy faith, to grow in confidence in these things, to, be, to seek to be equipped to face all that this mortal life may bring. And guess what? You know what a, you know what a secret is? I, I'm done, I promise. A, a secret? That when we pursue and seek to grow our confidence in these things, guess where it leads us back to? It leads us back to Jesus. It leads us back to Christ. The Spirit is the Spirit of Christ who conforms us into the image of Christ. We come to the Father through and in Jesus Christ. The Word of God points us to Jesus Christ, and the plan of God is that through and in Jesus Christ, the world is redeemed and reconciled to God and each other, and it is Jesus Christ whom we will worship forever and ever in the world to come. It all points back to him. When we grow in confidence in the Spirit, in the Spirit's power and the Word of God and our relationship to the Father and the plan of God, we are growing confidence in Jesus. 
So let us prepare ourselves for whatever temptations our hearts and the devil may bring in 2023. Let us cling to the promise found in God's word. And we'll end with this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man, even Jesus Christ. And God is faithful, and he will not let you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it just like Jesus. I want to pray a blessing over all of us uh, this year as we start this year. Nothing fancy, nothing special, no, nothing prophetic, nothing. I want to pray the blessing that God instructed Moses to pray over the children of Israel thousands of years and that we would receive this blessing with open arms and open, open hands and open hearts, knowing that our God is for us and he is with us. And because of that, ain't no devil in hell can stop us. Do you believe that this morning? Now let's stand and, and, and receive this blessing. We're going to pray and we're going to do our normal prayer time, but I want to end this, this time in God's word with this, with this blessing. I invite you to symbolically open your hands and, and receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may be seated.